We're going to be in a number of places in the Bible here this morning. I have a story for you. And I'm not sure if I told you this story before. I have memory of a lot of stories because I read a lot of them and only tell you a few of them. And then sometimes I come back and well, I tell this story. And, uh, but I have a way of, of trying to narrow it down. And I couldn't find that I had ever told this one. just have a memory of doing it. So if you heard this before, that's all right. It's a good story. One of the most notorious bank robbers from the days of the Wild West, his name was Pepe Rodriguez. And he would regularly sneak across the border of Mexico, rob a bank in the United States, and sneak back into Mexico before he was caught. He did this over and over, and he was frustrating the Texas Rangers. But they eventually got wise to him. And they set it up so that one time he snuck on back across the border and they caught him in one of the bars. And uh, Pepe didn't speak in English, so he needed a translator. And so all the Texas Rangers had come on down and they had guns drawn, pointing their guns at Pepe. And they said to him, tell us where the money is or we'll shoot you. And Pepe was scared. He was in fear and he started trembling. And uh, the bartender was kind enough to interpret what the uh, Texas Rangers were saying. And Pepe, when he heard, he said, the money is in the town well. It's about 14 stones down from the handle. And it's in in a pouch. And the bartender turned to the Texas Rangers and said, Pepe is a brave man. He says, you are a bunch of stinking pigs and he is not afraid to die. (laughs) We're talking about bravery today. (laughs) We want to talk about brave hope. We've been talking about hope. We've been on this series of hope. Our main text for this has been Hebrews 10.23 which says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. We've been endeavoring to look into the fact of what the confession of our hope is and how important it is. That the confession of our hope is so important that if we mess up the confession, we mess up the direction we're heading and very often do not get the hope that we want. The hope that the Word of God speaks of, we've spent some time looking at godly hope, defining what is godly hope from what is wishful hope or what is man-made hope. We have to have God's kind of hope. I gave you this, I think last week it was, that a great, a, a good confession is not denying the present. It is acknowledging a different future. The hope that we get that comes from the Word of God paints a picture that is different from our present. But hope is always future. Hope is not present. It is future. Whatever it is that we hope for has not yet happened. So our confession of the hope must also be future. It cannot be present or past tense. And then we're trying to to show the difference. We're going to spend more time on this aspect of it later on. We haven't gotten to a whole lot yet. But there is a difference from the things that we are promised and hope for and the things that we are given and use. Too often the body of Christ has confused those things. And the things that they are given treat as things they are hoped for. And the things that are hoped for as if they were given. And your confession gets messed up. 
If we are going to do as Hebrews says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. Then the confession must be right. The hope must be based on the word of God. And we should not ever waver from it. Today we're going to be talking about brave hope. We dipped into a little bit of what we're getting into this week, last week. Just a little bit. We're going to get into it a whole lot more. Put this in your outline. Not all godly hope is a promise of something bright. Please understand that. This is not a bad confession. This is not a negative thought. But not all godly hope is a promise of something bright. Sometimes we have thought that unless it, has, it is a, paints a bright picture, it's not from God. And we get dipped into a little bit of this last week and we call this negative hope. There are negative hopes that are out there. But we don't like that as, as uh, Christians, do we? Negative hope, what are you talking about? Not all godly hope is a promise of something bright, but it is always good. We gave you a few examples last week. Jesus had a hope of the cross, right? How many say, would say that's a bright hope? Be on a cross? Be, uh, have the Father turned His back on you? Have the sins of the whole world put upon you? Be beaten and die? How many say, boy, this is good? Oh, I'm liking this. Yeah, give me more of that. No, this is, this is a bit hard, isn't it? But the end result was that all men would be reconciled to God and that Jesus would bring that about. That His blood would wash away all sin. Oh, that was good. So there's a good end to it, but the process wasn't so bright for Jesus at the cross. He had the hope of the cross. Paul, we talked about this one. Paul had the hope of imprisonment. How many like that hope? Glory to God, I get to go to prison. Oh, I can't wait. I don't think so, right? But when he came to Ephesus, does he not say? All I know is whatever city I get into, God has shown me I will suffer many things. I will be in chains. It, and he's okay with that. He says, I'm prepared to die. I'm okay to even die for God. And then later on, God says, Paul, as you have testified for me before uh, the folks here in Jerusalem, you must also do in Rome. And so he goes off and he appeals to Caesar. And he gets taken on over to Rome. It wasn't a smooth ride. But he had that hope, didn't he? And he has the end, the end product in mind. The end product is basically, if I go on to be with God, it's even better. <laughs> if I'm down here, I'm helping the church out. Now he, Peter, uh, uh, Paul was also told some things when he first got converted. Remember the prophet? Heard from the Lord Jesus? I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Is that a hope? Is it future? Yeah. So as Paul is suffering these things, he can certainly know, I'm not missing God. God said I would suffer some of these things. This is all right. Here's a couple other ones that he did not get into. Peter, he had a hope of death. Not necessarily a great death. But uh, a glorious one. Jesus said this in John chapter 21, verse 18. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, 
You girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. He said, you, he said this will be the death that you will what? Glorify God. There's a glorious end to this, but the process isn't necessarily the best, is it? That doesn't sound like a wonderful process. When you're young, you get to go where you want to. When you're old, someone else is going to take you where they want you to go. Hey, but the disciples, they had a hope of persecution. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake and as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in the hour that when you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. So what is their hope? Is this not something future? Do we not hope for the things that are future? Are they not hoping for persecutions? Being brought before trials? And that the Spirit of God would speak through them? Is it not a glorious end? But it is not a, a bit of a dismal way to get there? Now, some of these things were given to individuals. You don't have to go around there claiming all of them. Glory to God. I like Peter's hope for doubt. I'm just going to claim that one for me. Well, you can't necessarily do that. That was given out there for Peter. Maybe you like Paul's. Well, you can't necessarily just claim his. There are some in there about all of us. And there are some there for individuals. But God certainly can speak to you about your hope. Some, but just understand this. If, you, if God speaks to you about your future about the hope of your future. And it has some dark parts to it. Don't reject it. It's saying, get thee, get thee behind me, Satan. He's done this before. And it's okay. As long as it has a glorious end. All of God's hope has a glorious end. It may have a tough way to get there. He may be putting some things on you to get there. But it has a glorious end. Jeremiah in ministry. In chapter 7, verse 27. Therefore you shall speak all these words to them, Israel, but they will not obey you. You shall also call to them, but they will not answer you. So you shall say to them, This is a nation that does not obey the voice of the Lord their God, nor receive correction. Truth has perished and has been cut off from their mouth. Jeremiah is basically told, I want you to go and preach the gospel, to bring the message that I have to the children of Israel. But know this, they will not listen to you. How would you like to be given a ministry and to have years of ministering, prophesying the Word of God, and God says they won't hear you? Is that a good hope? Hmm. Now, it will be in the end because God says, all right, you need to do this. Get them out there and speak these things. They're not going to hear you, but they're eventually going to come back because of some of the things that you're sharing, because of some of the things that you're doing. You're going to help them. So we had to hang on to that. Sometimes we go through some tough stuff, but God gives us the hope that says, when you're going through that tough stuff, it's okay. Here's the glorious end. Keep going. How about one for us? <laughs> Y'all want one of those negative ones for you? Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, it 
little bit of a dark side to it, right? But look at the upside. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my, my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecute the prophets who were before you. Who is this promise to? Is it to everyone? No. It is to those who, first off, were persecuted for righteousness' sake. If you get persecuted for righteousness' sake, this is what you got. If they say all kinds of evil against you falsely, not rightly, but falsely, for my sake, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? How's it going to lose its flavor? Because I let all this stuff take me out of the game. Don't let this stuff take you out of the game. Stay in there. Keep enduring. Don't, don't, uh, don't lose sight of that. Hang in there with it. I think I told you this before, but you know, I run the hockey group up at uh, the YMCA. We get new people in. Always are getting new people in, which is great. But we don't always get them to stay. Because it is pretty, uh, it's, it's hard on the body for the first time that they do it. And so I'm always giving them the, the rundown. The first time they come in, I said, all right, now look, this is going to be the most intense workout you probably have ever had in your life. And tomorrow you're going to be sore. And the next day you're going to be sore. And the third day you're going to be sore. I tell them all the exact same thing. For three days after tonight, you are going to be sore. But take heart, it gets better on the second time. And I tell them, now the second time you're going to come out, you, you'll be sore. But not as long. It only lasts two days. And the third time you come out, you'll still get sore. But it only lasts one day. And after that, you're home free. But I said, you've got to make it all three weeks. Don't stop. Don't do it. I get email addresses from them. How you doing? Oh, man, I am sore. That's all right. I told you it would be. Hang in there. Come on back. And the ones who come on back, they stick around. They stay. But some of them, they don't last. We had one guy we called him One Shift Sean. His name was Sean. He came on in. I gave him the rundown. He didn't hear any of it. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm in good shape. All right. No, this is really going to be intense. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. We still don't forget Sean because Sean came on out and he played real hard for five minutes. And we could tell that he was suffering a little bit. And so we said, Sean, go off. You know, there's a sub over there. Go off. Let somebody else take your spot for a little bit. Get a little bit of rest. And so finally he does. He goes off and he, he walks around. And then we noticed that, well, he, he walked outside into the hallway. He was walking up and down there and, and um, taking it easy. And, and we didn't see Sean. But then all of a sudden, a girl came in. About 10 minutes later, a girl came in, grabbed Sean's stick and left. Oh, we were hysterical. <laughs> He said, he, he wouldn't show his face here again. He sent his girlfriend in to get a stick. <laughs> we never did see Sean again. But you see, you get, sometimes you get warned about some problems that you would have along the way. So that when they come, you don't think, oh, this is, I'm odd. I, I can't do this. This isn't what God wants me to do. No, God has given you that so that you know, no, you're, on, you're okay. The persecution is expected. The, the problems, it's all right. The fact that they're not hearing you, I knew that was coming. You'll be all right. Just stay with it. And so we have that because there are some negative sides to this. Thank God He gives us hope to get us through the negative times. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. 
You are light. You are salt. Do not cover up the light. The light draws attention. And sometimes you think, I don't like the attention. I'm going to cover up the light. I'm still burning the light, but no one else will see it. And then I won't be persecuted. No, keep burning. Keep burning that light. Keep going. Many have embraced the negative hope because of circumstances and not the Word. This is where you have a problem. It is not the fact that you have embraced the negative hope. That you have embraced a negative hope based on circumstances and not the, the Word. We're going to get more into that in just a minute. This is real important. You all know what the gold star means. Yes. <laughs> one, for, one for your principal book. Don't be led into a hope. Follow one. Don't be led into a hope. Follow one. Follow the voice of God. Follow the Word of God. Circumstances tend to lead us into certain negative hopes. But you must resist that. Follow a hope, positive or negative, based on what the Word of God says. Don't just be led into, led into it. Oh, I hope you all get that one on down. Hope may not always be bright. God's hope we're speaking of. Hope may not always be bright, but it is always glorious. That is how you tell the difference between worldly hope and godly hope. Worldly hope, hope that you get led into by circumstances, does not have a glorious end. But godly hope does. If the hope that you are following does not have a glorious end, it is probably not from God. The negative stuff along the way will not tell you whether it's from God or not, but the end result will. What picture has God painted for you at the end of all this? That's what's real important. Well, let's look at this glorious hope. Many have picked up negative hopes apart from the promise of God. But we are not called into a, to a negative hope that has a gloomy future. We are called sometimes, not always, but sometimes we are called into a hope that has some negative sides to it, but has a glorious end. But here's some problems that people have gotten led into by circumstances, not followed the Word or followed the promises of God into. Some physical conditions. How many people do you know that have physical conditions that have adopted a mentality that this says, well, that's just something I have to bear? What's the glorious hope? I just pray that God gives me the grace to get through it. Is there a glorious hope yet? Where is the glorious hope? If God has a promise that has some negative stuff to it, there is a glorious hope. I didn't even read one of them to you. Let me read this one to you. It's over uh, about Israel. Over in Genesis chapter 15. This is a promise made to Abraham. How many of you would jump at this one? Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will, be afflicted, uh, they will afflict them 400 years. How many are saying, glory to God? Oh, yeah, this is good. This one even got repeated over in Acts chapter 7, verse 6. But God spoke in this way that His descendants would dwell in a foreign land and they would bring them into bondage and oppress them 400 years. But then He's going to bring them out. And He says when they come out, they're going to plunder the Egyptians. 
and they're going to get all their gold. And the fear of God is going to be upon them. But they didn't meditate on these things. And so when they went through the 400 years, they got discouraged. They stopped following God and they followed the idols of Egypt. They became hard-hearted and stiff-necked people. They did not take the promise of God and said, you know what the Bible says? It says for 400 years we're going to be here, but then at the end we have a glorious ending. Now some of you are saying, yeah, but what if I'm one of those guys who doesn't get out? 400 years is a long time. I may not live past that. What happens then? We're part of the whole package. package. God is doing something. Now we know looking back on it, they may not have known this then, but God had put them into a place to surround them and protect them and allow Abraham's descendants to become a nation. And then he took that nation out from Egypt and led them into their own land. If they had just been over by themselves... And as they began to form a nation, someone would have said, oh, let's attack them. Let's take what they have. But they were protected inside of the cocoon of Egypt. Even though it probably didn't feel that way to them. But God gave them this. They should have been rehearsing this. This is what was given to Abraham. Abraham heard this from God. God knew we would be here. He knew this was going to happen. This is not a surprise to God. But instead they rejected him. They walked walked away. They wouldn't hear the things that God had to to say. So physical conditions. Sometimes we get those physical conditions and we just say, oh, my bursitis is acting up. Oh, it's just always going to be that way. Every time it does this, this is what's going to happen. Where did you get that hope from? Did God speak that to you? Did the Word of God tell that to you? No, it's just that it's, I, I got prayed for. I did this. I did all kinds of things. It's just not going anywhere. So I guess this, what did you do? You got led into something by circumstances. You didn't follow the word. Following the word has some negative sides to it at times because things come and attack. When Jesus gave the parable of the sower, he said the sower sows the word. And when he sowed it in certain places, birds came to scoop it up because they see the seed. They want to get the seed. They want to get that. They don't want it to take root. Just know birds are going to come. You all know in the New Testament, birds are bad. Birds are bad. Birds are always bad in the New Testament. Old Testament, not so. But when Jesus uses birds, birds are always bad. Never does Jesus use birds in a positive light. If you have a bird at home, you don't have to get rid of it. But when you read about birds and Jesus in the New Testament, just understand, birds are bad. Birds are not good. He didn't do it with cats. He just did it with birds. They come over and they take the seed. Physical conditions can be that way. Emotional problems. How many of you don't know people have emotional problems? They got things that are going on and what do they, what do they, if you talk to them, why is that that way? Well, such and such happened when I was a kid. Such and such expectations were there and I, I didn't get them satisfied or they didn't, they didn't happen this way or I was always picked on in school or I'm the victim. How did, how did they adopt that mentality? What do they have a hope of? And it is a hope. I have the hope that I will always feel this way. I have the hope that I am always picked on. That's not a good hope, but it still is a hope 
Because I, you talk to these people, today I'm being picked on. But it's going to continue tomorrow. And it will continue after that. And if I meet somebody new, they'll pick on me too. They, that's what the, the thing they have. They've, they've adopted this mentality. They're always the victim. They didn't get... Uh, God didn't give them this hope. They picked it up on their own. They allowed themselves to be led into it by circumstances, by things that were happening around them. Don't get led into a hope. Follow one. Whole lot different. Depression. Depression is based on hope. Did you know that? The hope that it will never get any better. The hope that it will probably get worse. The hope that as bad as it is now, it's only going downhill. The hope that everyone hates me. No one loves me. That's what depression is based on. Now, so I know people have a, they'll say it's a lack of hope, but they're, what they're saying is a lack of positive hope. It's the presence of negative hope. And negative hope that God didn't say this is going to happen for this glorious end. There is no glorious end of depression, is there? Poverty. We have we can adopt the mentality of poverty. <clears throat> and it doesn't matter how much money you have. Who was that uh, real rich guy who made the big uh, big plane, the goose plane? Uh, I can't think of his name. Howard Hughes. He had a mentality of, of poverty, it seemed, from the stuff that he was doing in the house and things were going on and why live that kind of lifestyle when you have all that money? But that's what he did. People with money can have an attitude of poverty and people with no money can have an attitude of poverty. People with very little money can reject this as well. It's not about how much money you have. It's about your mentality. It's been a while since I talked about that, but I loved uh, the one minister who was going on about the poverty mentality. And they were talking about you know how if you save ketchup, those little ketchup things you get from Wendy's, and bring them on home. Mm-hmm. The poverty mentality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you save all those little twisty ties from the bread. Because yeah. you never know when you're going to run out. <laughs> Who has ever run out of those little twisty ties? I mean, we got drawers full of them. <laughs> One of those guys who... Um, uh, oh, I forget the name of the comedian. Does the... Uh, um, uh, Blue collar stuff. Uh, Jeff Foxworthy, that's the guy. He does the. Um, you, you might be a, might be a redneck if. I think one of his ones was you might be a redneck if you eat cereal out of matching bowls and they all say cool whip. <laughs> that's poverty mentality, isn't it? Go on and get some real dishes. We can adopt that poverty mentality. You folks who get Chinese food, is your refrigerator filled up with soy sauce and duck sauce? How many of it in your refrigerator is over a year old? <laughs> Why do you do that? You're, you're allowed a mentality to come in. Refuse that mentality. I can go out and pour my own ketchup bottle. Whole dollar fifty or whatever it is that it costs, right? But you're going to save money with those little ketchup packets. I know uh, at one point in my life, we did used to save those. But we never did make it all the way home. 
we had other functions and other uses for ketchup packets, and they were kind of fun. <laughs> they were enjoyable, but they did never make it into the refrigerator. <laughs> well, these are some of the things. You can certainly make your list longer than this. But don't let these things come in. These are hopes that you have allowed yourself to be led into. Do not allow yourself to be led into it. It is tough sometimes to believe God for a healing when the physical condition has nagged you for a long time. Is that not right? Can you not get to the point where you just say, well, I guess I just won't be able to do those things anymore. I guess that just won't happen. I I just have to accept the fact that I can't do that. How many of you have ever heard that from people? Ah, oh, tell you what. You know, you get to hear some of those kind of things. You know, for all this stuff that I was going for for the last month, I heard a few things from doctors. And some of them were trying to hint to the fact that, you know, you are approaching 50. You may not be able to play basketball and hockey on the same night. I says, you're wrong. And they are. They're very wrong on that. They gave me all kinds of tests that showed me I am in better shape than anyone else probably came on through there. So I don't listen to all that sort of stuff. But I tell you, I've had to battle some of those things through, through it too. Throughout this whole... I mean, I've never had anything hang on like this. They're all of a sudden, I'm breathing fine. Breathing fine. I mean, going good. And then just sitting there, working on something. Happened this week. Thursday night, sitting there. I had worked all day. No problem at all. Thursday night came. I could barely breathe. I'm... <gasps> I mean, my wife's watching me over there. She's just getting nervous as all get out. <laughs> and it went all through Thursday night. Woke up Friday morning. <sighs> oh, it was tough. Now, sometimes a thought comes in, well, this is just the way it's going to be. They can't find anything that's going on and they can't treat nothing and that's just the way it's going to be. No, it's not going to be that way. Maybe I'll just take a night off from hockey. No, don't have to do that at all. See, as soon as you start giving in to things, you start accepting a different hope. Don't accept a different hope. How old was Moses when he was trotting around there in the desert leading a couple of million people? And they said of him, his eyes didn't dim. He's still fit. Still good. He didn't go home sick. He's 120 years old. I bet he could play hockey. Don't embrace that hope. Resist it. Does it have a glorious end? If it does not have a glorious end, it is not from God. There may be some hopes that God has. It has some negative aspects to it. But if it does not have a glorious end, it is not from God. Because God has glorious endings. Thank God for that. There is no glorious end for these who are holding fast the confession of our hope. These folks have let go of the confession of their hope, who have picked up this depression, emotional problems, physical problems, physical conditions, poverty, stuff like that. They just accepted it. Well, it's just always going to be that way because this happened when I was a kid. Because this is going on. There's no confession of hope. There's no, there's no wavering because they just gave up. That verse, is, oh, that verse is so important. How many of you have this on your refrigerator yet? You don't have to raise your hand, but if you don't, get it up there. Put it somewhere. I mean, don't be in your refrigerator. Put it someplace where you can see it. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised 
is faithful. Oh, it's so important to get that stuff down. God is faithful. But so often, it comes in that they, it, it wants to attack the fact that God is faithful. God's been faithful to everyone else, but I don't know if He's going to be faithful for you. You're not going to hold fast the confession then. Hold fast the confession of your hope. What is the hope? What has God said? God, you said this in your word. This is what you promised me. Yes, you said this would come about, but in the end, you said this is where I'm going. Thank you, Father God. This is mine. This is where I'm going. I will endure the persecution. I will endure the tough time. I will endure the imprisonment. I will endure all these things because I know what's on the other side. Thank you, my Father, for the promise that you made. That's what we've got to do. We have compromised God's Word and exchanged His promise for a sob story. We've got to be careful of this. People who have, who have adopted these things that we talked about, they have compromised God's Word and exchange His promise for a sob story. You talk to them and you ask these folks that are involved in these emotional problems, this depression, poverty-mindedness, and you talk to them a little bit and you say, how are things going? What do you hear about? The sob story. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, it's so... I wish it wasn't this hard. Oh, it's always this... It's, oh, I don't know if I can make it. No one seems to care. And they got the whole sob story out there. You don't hear the promise, do you? Do you hear any holding fast to a confession? No. Thank God. My God said this. Now understand, a confession of hope is future. Too many times, especially charismatic, full gospel type people, we get into this mentality that if God promised it, it must be present. No, if He promised it, it's in the future. But I can talk about something in the future as a certainty. Same way I talk about heaven. Heaven is not a question to me. It's certain. But it's future. I'm not there yet. How many want to be? Over to God. Beam me up. Right? <laughs> Let's go. Mm, enough of all this. Don't compromise God's Word. Don't exchange His promise for a sob story. It's a whole lot easier to hold on to the confession of a sob story. <laughs> but don't do it. It's harder to hang on to that confession of hope. It's tough. And there's going to be stuff that comes against you that is trying to push you into another direction. But don't follow after the promise. Father, this is what I'm going to, this is what I'm doing. This is what you promised me. This is what you said about my kids. This is what you said about my job. This is what you said about my business. I'm following after that. That's what I'm doing. How many still hear negative things about the economy? Negative things about the economy. Negative, 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 negative. I heard one person I love listening to. He says this all the time. He says, there may be a depression or a recession going on around you. Just don't participate. <laughs> Just don't participate. Who says you have to? Did God say you had to? Yo, but you don't know the people. Stop the people. I get so hysterical sometimes I hear news stories run through. And it is, it is constant. Every time there is financial news of any kind, if the job market goes down, if the job market goes up, if unemployment goes down, if unemployment goes up, every single time you see that, they always say, economists are surprised. Every time. The economy unexpectedly decreased. The economy unexpectedly increased. 
When was the last time that you ever heard a story that said the economy expectedly increased? We don't hear that. It's always unexpected. I say fire all those experts. They're always wrong. Fire them. Get them out of there. If we had a weather person who always said every time he got in there, it unexpectedly rained yesterday. It unexpectedly snowed yesterday. It unexpectedly was sunny yesterday. If every day they get up there and say, it unexpectedly did this, what would you do with them? Fire them. But we have these people, experts, always saying, the job market unexpectedly went down. The job market unexpectedly went up. Constantly saying this, fire them. Do not allow them to speak into your life. If you are still among those who get a newspaper, listen to the news radio, or turn on channel 3, 6, 10, CNN, MSNBC, and all those other stupid things out there, and you still get that feed, why? They are always wrong. They are continually wrong. Why would you listen to them? Why do you build hope based on what they say? Oh, what well, they're saying. The economy's going down. It might not be good for me. Dear Lord, it's not a problem. You know, one of the things I do, I make bunk beds. You know, I took four orders yesterday. Yesterday, for a total of six beds in one... I can't make that many in one day. I took two the day before that. In two days, I had six orders. And you know what? I've cut back on advertising. I can't advertise it all that often because I get too many orders. I had to turn away several people this week. One needed in a week. I said, I just can't do it. I have other people that are... I just. I wish I could. I can't get it to you. All right, we'll go find it someplace else. Yeah, that's fine. I, I have people, they, they want a, a bunk bed, but they want something special. Sorry. I don't have time. I don't, I'm, I'm too busy with this. Glory to God. I thank God for busy. But just don't accept that it's going down. Don't accept it. The whole world may falter. God will uphold you. Remember Joseph? Joseph, in a time of worldwide famine, and when everyone else was losing their fortune, guess who got rich? Guess who got very rich? Joseph. He was shrewd, too. <laughs> he got very rich, and he made Pharaoh very rich. And Pharaoh didn't have to do anything. He got very rich. You do not buy into that. You keep that hope. Father God, you said you would bless me. You said you would help me. You said, this is what you said you would do. You said you would bless the work of my hands. Not only when the economy is this way, you said you would bless the work of my hands. Whatever it is that you do, what you do gets blessed so people want to put the work into your hands. Even when the economy takes a dip, People still buy stuff. They're just going to buy it from you instead of someone else. <laughs> or they're going to give it to your company or whatever it is that they're going to do. And you're going to do such a good job with it that your company is going to want more of it to go to you. 
Because your hands are blessed. That's what your hope should be. That's what your confession should be. But if you keep turning on CNN and MSNBC and Channel 6 and Channel 3 and Channel 10 and all those other news outlets out there that try and do gloom and doom and all that sort of stuff, then you're going to be listening to that. And instead of having that confession that says, thank God, He is blessing me in this time. You're going to be thinking, oh dear. I mean, things are okay now, but I'm not sure about tomorrow. I mean, I may not have a job next week. I just don't know. What's that holding fast to your confession? Then, of course, the devil wants to get in there and say, well, it's not right that you have a confession that you get so much better and, and so much richer when everyone else is suffering. Hey, let them suffer. They can be blessed too. Get saved, get turned on to God, and hold fast to the confession of your hope. That's all. They can do it too. It's out there for them. But they're not, not going that way. They're, they're being led by circumstances into a different hope. Now, here's something important. I put this in there so you can write it down. Our countenance reflects the basis of our hope. Your countenance reflects the basis of your hope. Have you ever talked to someone and said, how's things going? And they light up. Oh, it's so good. Does their countenance change? Can you tell from their countenance that things are going good? But then you talk to somebody else and they're trying to have a good confession. And you say, how are things going? And their whole face says, horrible. But their mouth says, oh, really good. Thank God he's blessed me. <laughs> but their countenance isn't telling you that, is it? Your countenance will reflect the basis of your hope. It'll reflect it. How many like to listen to Jesse DePlanis? Oh, isn't he fun? Does his countenance reflect his hope? <laughs> Glory to God, his countenance reflects his hope. I don't know if that boy's ever had a bad day in his life. <laughs> he's, just, he's just up. That's just his state. His state is up. And that's good. And you like listening to him because it kind of rubs off on you a little bit. This is good. I want that kind of stuff to rub off on me. Yeah. Your countenance will reflect the basis of your hope. Don't let your countenance get down. Stay up. Focus on the hope. The confession is the confession of your hope. Hold fast the confession of your hope. But you've got to have the hope, not just the confession. And your countenance will tell you. Look yourself in the mirror. Do you look like you have hope? You're called to a glorious hope. Here's the last one. Patient hope. Romans 12, verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Oh, not lagging in diligence. Stay diligent with it. Rejoicing in hope. What? Rejoicing in hope. Could Jesus rejoice over His hope even though it involved the cross? Absolutely. He saw that end product. He rejoiced over that. Men are going to be reconciled to God. Did Paul, was Paul rejoicing about his hope? Hey, I'm willing to die. This is all right. Why are you all crying for? What are you all making a fuss for? Knock it off. I'm willing to die for this. This is good. I'm going to go on down there. He's rejoicing in hope. We need to rejoice in hope. 
rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulations. Because hope always seems to have tribulations. There's always stuff that comes along to try and dash that hope. Try and pull that hope down. But you don't let it. You get that hope. Father God, this is what you said in your word. I have this hope based on this scripture, based on this promise, based on this thing that you said to me. This is what this hope is based on. We're, we're heading forward. For the hope, we are rejoicing. I'll be rejoicing about that hope. We just got finished the series before about giving thanks, about being grateful. Stay in that mode. Through Though the tribulation, the tribulations along the way, we are patient. Through the tribulations along the way, we are patient. This is what we have to be. There are going to be tribulations along the way of your hope. Whatever that hope is. Whatever you do in business, as you go along the way, tribulations happen. And those tribulations can sometimes get you to say, Oh, forget this. Why nor do I keep pushing for this? No, don't do it. This is tribulation. You knew it was coming. God told you it was coming. Father God, you said I'd have tribulation. Glory to God, I see the hope though. I am not getting my eyes off the hope. And I keep talking about I keep confessing. I keep having that hope. Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, in other words, for the future. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Isn't the vision the hope? Isn't he saying, wait for it? Wait for it. It may tarry. It may not get there when you want it to. It may tarry, but it's coming. Don't give up. It is coming. Don't waver in your confession. Don't give in to the things that are around you. Don't be led into another direction. Hang on to that hope that the Word of God has, has painted for us. Romans chapter 8. Well, I didn't fill this, but the vision is the hope. The waiting is our patience. But the vision is the hope. The waiting is our patience. Romans chapter 8, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one hope for what he sees? Hope is future. If you've got it, you're not hoping for it anymore. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So don't just wait for it. Eagerly wait for it. Be excited that it's coming. Think back to your days when you were dating. And you were dating some girl. Hopefully the, your wife now or you're dating some guy. Maybe your husband now. And there was a time that you were away. College, trip, whatever it might be, there was a time that you were separated and weren't, weren't near each other. A week, two weeks, three weeks went by, whatever time it was. But you know that at the end of this, either you were returning or they were returning. Did you not eagerly wait for that day? In the same way, eagerly wait for the promise of God. Don't just be casual about it. It wouldn't be good if... 
the girl you were waiting for eagerly shows up at your door. Hi, I'm home. Did you forget you were supposed to pick me up at the airport? Oh, boy, I was really looking forward to you coming home. I, I don't know what happened. Is that going to wash? No, you were not eagerly waiting for me. You forgot about me. Who is she? <laughs> Alright? So you're going to get... No. Eagerly wait with perseverance. Keep hanging on there. Keep waiting with perseverance. Hope is for what is unseen. We wait for it eagerly and with perseverance. Hope is for what is unseen. We wait for it eagerly and with perseverance. That's how we do it. The hope of God may have some negative sides to it, but it always has a glorious end. Make sure you have not been led into a wrong hope. A hope for something not promised by the Word of God. But circumstances have pushed you into this. Thinking that this is my lot in life. Thinking that this is just something I'm going to have to bear. This is just something that's going to come my way. Don't buy into that. Here's a checkup for you. Is your hope right? Check these things. First off, check the ending of your hope. Is it glorious? Check the ending of your hope. The end of the hope, is it a glorious ending? Check the basis of your hope. Is it based on Scripture? Is it based on the Word of God? Is it based on the promise of God? What's the basis of that hope? Here's the third one. Check the reflection of your hope. Check the reflection of your hope. What does your countenance tell people about that hope? What does it say? Is it saying to people, Oh, this person is looking forward to life. This person is looking forward to the thing that is hoped for. Or does it say something different? You can check out your own hope. What is the ending of your hope? What is the basis of your hope? And the reflection you give off to other people. Make sure. Oh, make sure that it's good. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the things that You have promised us. We look forward to the times that are coming as we look more into the promises of the Word, how to form some of these hopes. Father, we praise You and give You glory. Thank You. For we are not those who live on this earth without hope. We are not just out there wishing for good things to happen. We have your word. And your word carries us through those times that are hard. Through those negative aspects of the hope that we're called to. The persecutions, the tribulations. Oh, but Father God, I thank you. You help us there in all of it. That through the whole thing, we hold fast the confession of our hope. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.